It's only three months until the Democratic primary for U.S. Senate on August 8th. Only? Three months is like a really long time for an election. The entire French election for the president of that country wrapped up in less time. Oui, oui. But this is in France, Phil. We eat freedom fries here in America. <laughs> or poutine. What's poutine? What's poutine? It's what they eat in, uh, in Quebec, which is French Canada. It's like French fries covered in cheese curds and gravy. So uh, it's kind of like a little bit of Canada, a little bit of Wisconsin, a little bit of France, all wrapped in, up into one. Conservatives called French fries freedom fries after 9-11 when the French wouldn't follow W and his coalition of the willing into Iraq. In any case, the Wisconsin Democratic primary for U.S. Senate is heating up and narrowing to a four-person race. Narrowing is the right word. There's like a gazillion people running for Senate. And there's like four that I guess are in the top tier, top tier being like five percentage points or, or more in terms of polling. Uh, the guy who says he's the underdog in the race is the Outagamie County Executive Tom Nelson. He just launched his first TV ad. Dressed in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform. And timed, of course, for the playoffs, go Bucks. And the guy Nelson is going after in that ad, Alex Lazry, of course, is the son of the owner of the Bucks. And Alex Lazry is spending more than anybody else on this campaign so far, at least for the Democrats. Yeah, he's like got gobs and gobs of money. There's also uh, Sarah Godlewski, who's the state treasurer, the only woman in the race. Uh, and this could be an advantage when uh, championing abortion rights, which are now kind of front and center with the Supreme Court's Roe v. Wade decision being leaked. Mm-hmm. Um, all the Democrats are chasing Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, the perceived front runner, hoping to take on Republican Senator Ron Johnson this fall. We're going to talk about the race for U.S. Senate. Again, on today's Center Stage with Milford and Hands, the Wisconsin State Journal's political podcast from the Sensible Center of Wisconsin Politics. I'm Scott Milford. I'm the editorial page editor for the Wisconsin State Journal. And I'm Phil Hands. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. And we are one-third of the Wisconsin State Journal editorial board. I like being one-third. Why? I don't know. It feels right. It's better than being one one quarter or one seventh. Seventh eighth. Fifteenth. Sixteenth. I can do this math. For a while, it was very difficult. We talked about the Democratic primary for U.S. Senate months ago, but we're talking about it again for a couple reasons, I think. One is it's getting real now, and a lot of the candidates are going up with ads. I'm getting a lot of stuff in my mailbox, especially from Alex Lazary. Who has more money than anybody else. <laughs> Is he richer than God? I mean, like, isn't that a, isn't that a saying from the God 70s? is rich with love. Lazarus is rich with money. The other reason, I think, is more than a year ago, right after the January 6th rioting, insurrection, risk to democracy, whatever you want to call it, the State Journal editorial board called on Ron Johnson to resign just because he had been for months pretending that Biden hadn't won and really encouraging people to question the election and their democracy. In the end, of course, Ron Johnson did vote to certify Joe Biden, but only after... The Capitol building was literally invaded by people. And members of Congress had to be evacuated for their safety. In any case, this is essentially a four-person race at this point. Ron Johnson's seat, people are looking at this race nationally. It's a seat that Republicans have to hold if they want to gain control of the Senate and Johnson is not doing well in terms of favorability across the state. His latest favorability ratings from Marquette were 36% of people in Wisconsin rate him favorably versus 46% of people in Wisconsin actively dislike Ron Johnson. That's 46% of the people that aren't going to vote for you to start with. So 
he's got to convince this very small, mushy middle of people that he's going to be worth voting for again in November. And his race is is going to be hotly contested. It's going to be a close race. And if the Democrats are able to unseat him, it makes Republicans' chances of controlling the Senate almost impossible. All signs point to a strong Republican year because historically, whenever the president has been in office for two years, the midterm is almost always bad for him in modern elections. And Joe Biden has not done a good job of managing expectations about the end of the pandemic and dealing with inflation. I mean, he, he's made some more mistakes of his own, which have fueled the fire for Republicans, and Ron Johnson's hoping that'll that'll salvage him, but his, he's not very popular in the state of Wisconsin. And even though it's supposed to be a Republican year, Tony Evers is doing pretty well. He's definitely above water compared to Ron Johnson, and there was talk of maybe uh, he shouldn't run, but he's all in. He's got Trump there right with him, and I think this race may be bigger than the race for governor just because of all the national money pouring into it. But the way these Wisconsin elections are going, it doesn't seem like there's ever a lot of difference between the statewide races. In other words, if the Democrat candidates win, they tend to all win and collect about the same number of votes. Same with Republicans. If Evers wins, you'd think the Democrat for U.S. Senate would win. And vice versa, if Tony Evers loses to the, one of the Republicans challenging him, probably Ron Johnson wins. It used to happen all the time that a party would vote for, you know, we'd vote for one type of person for governor. Especially an incumbent. Well, I remember distinctly in 2004, my first year at the state at the state journal when I was oh. an intern, uh, that George W. Bush, we found out there was a lot more votes for Russ Feingold in Wisconsin than there had been for George W. Bush. So the Marquette University poll just came out. There's a relatively large margin of error because only three or 400 of the people who responded were planning to vote in the Democratic primary. Some were going to vote in the Republican primary. So it kind of splits it in half. That was two weeks ago. It's the closest I think we've come to determining where this Democratic primary is at. What do the numbers tell us? Mandela Barnes is the leader at 19% of the vote. Alex Lazary is in second place with 16%. Sarah Godlewski is in third place with 7%. And Tom Nelson is in fourth place with 5%. And the winner by a landslide is do not know or not sure, with 48% of the respondents saying they did not know who they're going to vote for. I love that guy. Not sure would probably do a lot better job than a lot of people we've elected to office recently. Mandela Barnes has dropped four points, actually, back in February. He was at 23%. Now he's at 19 Lazary has bumped up three points. Uh, he was at 13% in February, and now he's at 16 Godlewski has doubled her numbers from February. She was at 3%, and now she is at 7%. And Tom Nelson is exactly the same as he was, with 5% of the vote in both cases. Well, let's start with Tom Nelson only because he has a funny ad that's coming out for the Milwaukee Bucks playoff series it's pretty clever. Let's play it. I don't agree with it, but I think it's a pretty good ad. Oh, well, let's see it. Ouch. Hey, I'm Tom Nelson. I'm running for the Senate. I'm rooting for the Bucks. But what I'm not rooting for is using your tax dollars to make billionaires richer. We paid a quarter of a billion dollars for the Pfizer Forum, even more for Foxconn. Every dollar spent was taken from schools, roads, tax relief, things that benefit all of us. Go Bucks. But let's end these crooked political deals, because the only team that matters is you. I'm Tom Nelson, and I approve this message. (laughs) (laughs) That is good. I mean, for a politician, that's actually really funny. It kind of reminds me, I mean, he looks ridiculous in this Bucks outfit, which is great. 
I mean, he looks almost as ridiculous as Mike Dukakis did in that tank. And he's not in the Pfizer forum. He's in some middle school gym, it looks like. And the best part of the ad is the end where he's standing like, you know, at, at half court and throws the basketball behind his head. And you can see it miss the basket by 30 feet. And then, and then it, the camera pans and cuts and you see it go swish. Sense Cle- of humor. Yeah. So clever ad. He hasn't gone up in the polls, but he hasn't really spent much on ads because he hasn't had much in money. According to OpenSecrets.org, Tom Nelson has raised $1.4 million. He's spent almost 900000 This was as of the end of March. And he had $550,000 on hand. Compare that to Mandela Barnes, who's raised more than $4 million and spent more than two point four. million. Sarah Godlewski? Five million she's raised. She's spent more than three. And then you got Alex Lazry, who's raised nine million dollars and spent more than eight. Again, that was at the end of March. Lazry's raised almost as much as Ron Johnson. Of course, a lot of it is his own money. Both Godlewski and Lazry, they're, they're their own biggest campaign donors. I don't agree with that ad. I mean, we endorsed back at the time the dollars for the Pfizer Forum. Point was to keep the team in Milwaukee. They were almost certainly going to leave if they weren't going to get a public subsidy for a new stadium. And I remember at the time there was a memo from the Fiscal Bureau that said the NBA players, they make so many millions of dollars that the income tax of the state was going to be more over time than the cost to state taxpayers. For the new stadium. Yeah. If you've been to the Pfizer Forum, you've seen how it's completely revitalized that whole corner of downtown Milwaukee right there. It is a cool little public square for, for, the, for the Milwaukee community. And the Bucks are world champions. They could be again this year. Who knows? So it's a bold ad to go after public money for the Bucks. I mean, he slips in the Foxconn deal there. But of course, he's mostly going after the Bucks because Alex Lazary is the Bucks owner's son. Yeah, and I'm sure Alex Lazary was involved with the negotiation. I mean, he benefits from having the the state taxpayers' dollars go to the Pfizer Forum. Tom Nelson is 46. He's the Outagamie County executive. He's a former state lawmaker. He lost a bid for Congress to read Ribble up in northeastern Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Arguably, you could say he's the most experienced in terms of executive experience in government. What do you mean, arguably? I mean, I think clearly <laughs> if he was county executive. And he's got an interesting recipe there where he's in Outagamie County, a county that actually went for. Trump, and he's representing that as a Democrat at the county level. Yet there's a Bernie Sanders group that's endorsed him. He's definitely run into the progressive left, as I guess most of the candidates are, other than maybe Lazary, for the primary. To me, he seems like the kind of guy that might have the best shot in the general election because his executive experience in a red county would make him seem like the kind of guy that could build bridges and work across the aisle and appeal to centrists and moderates. He's comparing himself to Russ Feingold back a million years ago when Feingold wasn't supposed to win the Democratic primary and came out of nowhere to win it, partly with some offbeat ads, just like this one. I think attacking Lazary is what they kind of ha- is what all the Democrats are going to try and do in this race because he is sort of the big money carpetbagger from out of state. His Wisconsin roots go back not even a decade, I don't think. So I think he's an easy target for the Democrats in this primary race. In another development late last week, Tom Nelson said he favors expanding the court. 
what many have derided as court packing. He's trying to separate himself there. I'm sure that plays with some of the activists on the left, but that's not going to help him in a general election. I mean, if the Democrats pack the court when they have control, what's to stop the Republicans from doing the same thing? Significantly, the other three leading Democrats seeking the party's nomination did not join him with that position. I think it's another sign that Nelson's just really trying to stick out in a race that he, more than any of the others, needs to make up ground. Well, let's talk about Lazary then, 34. Much younger than you and me. <laughs> wow, even younger than even, you. Even, even much lo- younger than even you. Even much younger than I remember being 34. I don't. Back in the day. Alex Lazary is a Milwaukee Bucks executive on leave. He's not doing it now while he campaigns. He worked on bringing the Democrats to Milwaukee for the Democratic Convention at the Serve Forum. That was a victory, but it went flat. Well, uh, the pandemic. Because of the pandemic. Yeah, it came and, and there was no, it was yeah, a virtual his convention. Yeah. He worked in the Obama White House. His father, Mark Lazary, is a billionaire hedge fund manager. I, one interesting detail that I read in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel was that he lived when he was 14 in a New York mansion that was once occupied by Michael Jackson and that sold for $32 million. That's not very much for New York. <laughs> right. That's like a $300,000 home in Madison, I know, right? right? <laughs> it's the average uh, housing price in New York. I have been getting so many glossy color flyers in my mailbox from Lazary. And they're, they're not just the two-sided. You open them up, and it's sort of like there's four sides. I got one of these, too, and they're really well-designed. Large, large font, not a lot of content, but they're, they're look, they look really pretty. I think because of the money and the business experience, he's more the moderate. There was a guy who had a lot of money who was kind of a moderate that held this seat for a long time and who also gave $100 million to help build that stadium. It was also Herb, owned the Bucks, Herb Cole. <laughs> I should have quizzed you. I bet you would have got that one right. In these flyers, he's touting a couple things. That when they built the Fiserv Forum, he and presumably Daddy made sure that all the materials were from Wisconsin or most of them. Oh, yeah. And then they employed lots of union laborers, including minority union business owners. And they decided that they would pay everybody a minimum wage of at least $15 an hour, which was... Bernie Sanders' goal back in the day. So he's touting his record with the Bucks as sort of a champion record that is actually getting done some things that Democrats talk about but don't get done. Yeah. So I think that's his message, and he's obviously moving up in the polls because he's spreading a lot of ads across the state to tout his message. But potentially, he's the guy that isn't as far to the left and maybe sticks out because of that. In some of these flyers. He's standing next to blue collar guys who have good jobs working on the Pfizer forum, that kind of thing. Yeah, he, that's right. He also had a, there was also a COVID controversy about him too, because early in the, or early in the days of vaccine, him and his wife got an extra dose somewhere. Back people cared about the rationing of the vaccine. Him and his wife got an extra dose somewhere way before they were allowed to, but they said it was because they were, some nursing home was throwing away extra doses, which is totally fine with me. I don't care, but it was a, it was a, a, people made a stink about it at the time. Here's an ad from him from March. He's turned on working families again. Ron Johnson said no to bringing new jobs to Wisconsin. Now he's supporting the Republican plan that phases out Social Security and Medicare and increases taxes on middle-class families. 
Time for Democrat Alex Lazary. Lazary says let's get more money into working people's pockets and cut their taxes. No wonder so many unions say Alex Lazary is the strongest Democrat to beat Ron Johnson. I'm Alex Lazary, and I approve this message. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's sort of touting himself as a pro-union candidate, working class voter support, best to beat Ron Johnson in the general election. But he's still the rich kid. It's going to be really easy to paint him as a spoiled rich kid from out of state who doesn't care about Wisconsin, who's just in it for himself. I mean, I feel like that's going to be the knock on him. I don't know whether that's true or not. I don't know the guy personally, but I feel like if I was if I was picking a Democratic candidate, I would not pick the gazillionaire from out of state who just moved here a couple of years ago. On the other hand, if he's got business experience and a lot of money to spend on his race and he's young and has some accomplishments in the private sector, is that such a bad candidate to run against Ron Johnson, who's got a lot of money as a manufacturer? Yeah, I just think it's going to be hard to convince voters that this East Coast guy really has Wisconsin values. Seems more like a traditional Democrat than a progressive Democrat. That ad was from mid-March. He did just put a video up after the Supreme Court draft opinion was leaked that Roe v. Wade may be overturned. He was out in front of the Supreme Court building in Washington, D.C., saying he would fight to protect Roe v. Wade and do away with the filibuster if need be. But the candidate that seems to own that issue is Sarah Godlewski. She just did her first ad and really underlined this point. Well, she is the only woman in the race. I don't know what role the Supreme Court's decision on Roe v. Wade will have on midterm elections in general, but it might propel her to the top of this primary. Here's the ad that she just ran. I'm Sarah Godlewski. I'm at the Supreme Court where it looks like Ron Johnson is going to get exactly what he wants, overturning Roe v. Wade reinstating Wisconsin's cruel abortion ban and putting doctors in jail. But that's not what Wisconsinites want. We don't want politicians making health care choices for women. I'm Sarah Godlewski, and I approve this message because as your senator, I will never sit by and allow our rights to be stripped away. Join me. Let's fight back and defeat Ron Johnson. So pretty basic ad. Uh, interesting. I did notice uh, just the I, I didn't really looked at this before, but her campaign colors appear to be green and yellow, which uh, I mean, go go Packers. Good choice. But I've never seen a candidate do very well that didn't pick a variation of blue, red and white as their as their campaign colors. Well, she's wearing a Packer vest there at one point. Well, yeah, she's just regular guy go have a beer with, right? <laughs> I thought the ad was pretty direct, and she sounds like she's really going to fight for reproductive rights for women. I do think that plays to her hand. She's 40. She's from the Eau Claire area. She, of course, is the state treasurer, which doesn't do much, but it is a state post, and she did win statewide. Touts her experience in business, taught as an adjunct professor for a bit, worked for the Hillary Clinton campaign in Wisconsin. Her husband is a multimillionaire investor. Oh, okay. With a name that just sounds millionaire to me, Max Duckworth. Duckworth, yes, that does sound very. That's that's. I'm, I'm glad she kept her own name, <laughs> even though Godlewski's not easy to pronounce. <laughs> she's got a lot of money. 
She doesn't have a long track record in state government. She's tried to leverage the treasurer's office as much as she could. There's for, not much for the treasurer. There's to, not much he can do to yeah. do. I mean, like you know, this is a position we've actually the editorial board of the state journal has several times called for the elimination of the treasurer's office because it doesn't do anything really, and the fiscal bureau does a really good job of looking at numbers in a nonpartisan, fair and honest mm-hmm. way. Former Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett was for getting rid of it too. It's not just a conservative issue. It's a bipartisan issue. That and the Secretary of State that don't really have any duties left. Still, you can't counter out. She's she's the one moving up the most in the polls so far, right? Yeah, she's doubled her percentage of support from 3 to 7%. And that was before – I mean that doesn't sound like a lot – But that was before this ad came out. That was before Roe v. Wade really became a big issue. And even though I think you're right, it's not clear how that's going to play out in the general election necessarily, although I think it helps Democrats. I think in the Democratic primary, it really can excite some people and – she is the only woman in the top tier of candidates. There is a kind of a four-person race. She's not that far out of it if people split the vote. I could see her matching up well against Ron Johnson. I, I, I could see that being a race where the Democrats would feel good about their chances. You and I saw her at... At the Pfizer Forum. <laughs> at the Pfizer Forum for the preview to the Democratic convention there, which never really... We never got to go to, and neither did most of the delegates. But we saw her there, and I... Th- thought she seemed sharp. I mean, in this ad, she seems like she has the ability to potentially debate well and talk about the issues well. Still, I mean, compared to, say, Mandela Barnes, who we'll talk about in a minute, or Tom Nelson, those guys have been around state government so long. In Nelson's case, at the local government And at the state house as a state lawmaker, Mandela Barnes as the lieutenant governor, but also as a state lawmaker. I mean, they know a lot of these issues, big issues inside and out because they've served on committees. They voted on things for years. They've worked on these things. So I'm sure those guys can debate the issues well. Is she up enough on and an experienced enough candidate? She seems sharp enough to be able to, to figure that kind of stuff out, but I don't know you know her experience you know you don't get a lot of experience being state treasurer it's just it's just not a i mean it sounds like an important job but it's not in wisconsin the other job that's not very important but it's an it's a nice launching pad or well it could be a nice launching pad. It hasn't been a nice launching pad in the past for gubernatorial candidates. What about Scott McCallum, the boy governor? <laughs> he just inherited it because Tommy left. But is Mandela Barnes, he's the lieutenant governor. He has been now for almost eight years. But more than that, he also was a state lawmaker. He's been around a lot longer. I think he's got the best name recognition. He's oh, leading in your poll. He's got by far – I mean, people people have seen his name for the last – four years on ballots because he was lieutenant governor. He went across the state with Tony Evers being his cooler half. That's right. Much cool. I mean, probably his cooler (laughs) 75%, maybe 90%. He's a little off the cuff and informal, a little more laid back, say, than Godlewski. I would say laid back is is the right word for him, but he doesn't doesn't seem... Yeah, he's just, I, I would say, a little bit informal, but I think people are looking for that in a politician. He's relate. He's very relatable. You yeah. know, he's the kind of guy that you could, you know, have a beer with, as they say, all the, all the time in Wisconsin. He's only 35, so just a smidge older than Alex Lazary. And looks a lot younger than Alex Lazary. 
His mom was a Milwaukee school teacher. His dad was a manufacturing line worker, both union members, which good story is always good story for in the Democratic primary. Unions are going to play a bigger role in this election than they have for a while. We're seeing unions start up at places like Starbucks and there's talk at Amazon. And for a long time, it was sort of like the long dying union worker, but Maybe unions are going to be a bigger part in this election than they have been in the past. And they're always a big part of Democratic primaries. And Mandela Barnes, even though his opponents seem to be closing in on him in this poll, he hasn't spent a lot of his money. There's some anticipation for his first big TV ad. But he was, just like the others, talking about Roe v. Wade this past week. He was at a rally in La Crosse. Here's some of what he said. 26 states are poised to restrict abortion access as soon as Roe's overturned. That means millions of women will be stripped of their access to abortion and will suffer and could even die because of it. Now, the reality is that wealthy people have always been able to access abortions. Now, SCOTUS overturns Roe. It is women of color. It is working class women and victims of abuse who will certainly suffer. Let me tell you, people's lives will be lost. We can't wait until November. The Senate needs to act on protecting abortion rights today. They need to do it right now. And that starts with abolishing the filibuster. Now, let me tell you, this has been the Republican plan all along. It is a witch hunt to criminalize people, to take away rights, and we will not let this stand. Yeah, I like social media for these reasons because it sort of just lets a politician speak directly to people without the the filter of the ad or anything like that. And you can tell – I mean this is totally scripted. He's totally – but it's just a, it's just a quick little message, and mm-hmm. you know it's him sharing his viewpoints, and that's I think a good way to use social media. He's wearing a Planned Parenthood T-shirt. He looks he's good dressed in pink. in pink. Yeah, he does look good in pink. And as we said already, he's got kind of a laid-back informality that's very likable. He's gotten a lot of big endorsements, like Tony Evers. Well, no, I don't think <laughs> Evers is endorsing at this point. But there's a implied endorsement almost. I mean, he traveled across the state with him. It's probably bad form to endorse him because then what if he loses? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> the question is, does Mandela Barnes, does he have the pizzazz? I think the question is, can Mandela Barnes appeal to white working class voters outside of Milwaukee? I think that's the big – I mean, is is Wisconsin ready for a black senator – I think that's almost as big an issue as his pizzazz. I think I think I think his personality relates well onto the onto the screen, and he's. I mean, Wisconsin's not about pizzazz. Look, we like the governor, <laughs> Tony Evers, has no pizzazz. Uh, I, I think the bigger question. I think his race is actually. I mean, I, 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 if I was a Democrat party head, I'd be seriously asked the question: Like, is Wisconsin going to elect a black senator? Uh, a state where, the, where less than 5% of the, or less than 10% of the population is African-American. He would be the first black U.S. senator from Wisconsin. And the last time uh, that barrier was broken was when Barack Obama just walked across Wisconsin. I mean, he, in other words, Barack Obama won two elections in a row by more than anybody has since. Oh, yeah. I he mean- won Wisconsin big time to the, the first time to the point where – Democratic lawmakers were saying, oh, this is a blue state. Yeah. Well, we have to remember that Mandela Barnes is not Barack Obama. That- <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And maybe that's where I'm, I'm getting this word pizzazz from. I'm just saying it's not impossible for any of these candidates, I don't think, to win. And I think they all 
will provide a lot of contrast with Ron Johnson. Oh, yeah. Well, it'd be hard not to. If if they believe that COVID-19 is not a hoax and that that, that the vaccine does not give you AIDS, uh, those are two things that provide you with immediate contrast with Ron Johnson. Our theme music is by Tube Tester.